0: Hey crack fans! is tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do I use on my racket I use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at cracked rackets you know I'm a hairy guy as you can imagine I sweat when I play the only grip that works for me is the turn of tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turn of grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis go about the Megatack, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turn of to Tennis today. Welcome to To our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I offer my picks for each and every day of the 2022 Wimbledon. We try to never let perfection be the enemy of good on this podcast. Nevertheless, we were oh so close to perfection with our picks for day three at Wimbledon. Have to give a shout out to our winners on the day. Tommy Paul delivering us a money line victory. Paul was dominant in a straight set win over Adrian Manorino. Paul has yet to drop a set at this 2022 Wimbledon. He reached two quarterfinals on grass courts in the buildup to the event this season has played. Some of his best tennis in his career over the past month really has taken things to another level. A dominant performance again today over Manorino to deliver us a victory. We were also delivered a win from 19-year-old Diane Perry. And if you have Yet to see the former world junior number one compete on the pro circuit. Do yourself a favor, go watch her third round match. Of course, Perry came to all of our attentions as she knocked off defending French Open champion Barbara Krachikova in the first round of this year's French Open. Of course, Perry, a straight set win over Kaia Kanapi in round one of Wimbledon. Knocks off Hantama in straight sets. Today was down an early break, but as soon as she got a read on the Hantama ball, she was able to find that forehand. Her willingness and eagerness to move forward through these grass courts, her ability to use her speed to beat Beat you to the spot, the explosiveness of that forehand. Again, Diane Perry has WTA-level weapons, and it's when, not if, she cracks the top 50 in her career. A fun one-handed backhand as well. Just a different sort of game style than you're accustomed to seeing. Certainly a lot to enjoy about Diane Perry. Again, always nice to have money on one of these young players as they're making their breakthrough, but even as a fan, just to enjoy Diane Perry. Uh, Uh, from a fan's perspective again you will be doing yourself a favor by tuning in to her third round match but she delivers us a win unfortunately Oscar Ota whose game spread we had was not able to play out his match Christian Harrison withdrawing from the match with an injury early in set number one we're not going to count that on our record as a win we're not going to count that against us as a loss as a sports book would ultimately just give that back to you given how early in the match the withdrawal occurred so Again, 2 and 0 with our two money line picks. Our game spread null, but it did feel like Ota was going to deliver us a victory. And we also had a parlay on the day, and ugh, did that parlay come oh so close to hitting? Yannick Sinner delivered us a four set victory. Francis Tiafo, a straight set victory over Max Martyr. Carlos Alcaraz looked exceptional in a straight set win over Talon spoor And then we had Andy Murray, who was 8 0 in his career against John Isner, coming into today's second. Round matchup. When Isner won that, excuse me, when Murray won that third set, 7 6, you started to have a glimmer of hope, right? And certainly, if you did place a bet on this parlay with a sports book, you would have had the opportunity to cash out in that moment. But unfortunately, John Isner was cashing in on his first serve all match long. Isner, the four set victory over Murray, delivering us our only loss of the day. It stings, but again, never lose. Let perfection be the enemy of good, and two, one-in-one, that High being the EGA Futures bet, which has yet to matriculate as a win or a loss, gives us, again, 2-1-1, in one one, up 0.15 units overall on the day. That leaves us 8-4-2 for the tournament. We're up 1.3 units. Have been sticking with those half-unit wagers for now. Going to go full units as soon as we hit round three. I always like two rounds of play to feel everything out, get a look at everyone at least twice. Obviously, heading into that third round at that point, if you don't have a gauge, on the tournament. You never will. So we're going to up those betting amounts starting tomorrow. But today, as we look at day four, second half of the second round, and of course, on this show, as I always do on these Ace of the Day segments, what I want to do for you listeners is look at the spread of singles matches we're going to see unfold. I want to talk, obviously, about the money lines that we see, who are the favorites I'm leaning towards, who are the underdogs I could see pulling off the upset, I will say, looking at day four we're Women's side, men's side, it does not matter. A lot of tough matches to straight up pick a winner in in many of these affairs. I mentioned yesterday I thought I had a better gauge on the men's matches. I think on day four I have a better gauge on the women's matches, of course. Top half of the draw competing in the women's singles bracket. Bottom half of the draw for the men's will go through all of the money lines. I'll talk about the over-unders I like, the game spreads I'm looking at. Of course, I've got another shot at a parlay for all of you listeners talk about a futures bet I am contemplating as well we'll try to sneak all of that into this ace of the day segment of course the reason we're able to do these podcasts day in day out throughout the course of a grand slam is because of the support we get from all of you listeners and if you're looking for recap content of each of the days matches i know how hard it is particularly in the early rounds to keep track of everything don't worry we've got you covered here at crack rackets Head on over to our Mini Break podcast feed, which you can find wherever you listen to your podcast. We're going to recap every day of the 2022 Wimbledon. I'll break down the most impactful matches of the day. Try to touch on everything, the top seeds who impressed, the upsets that occurred, the matches that go the distance, and so much more. That content available, again, on the Mini Break podcast feed, wherever you listen to your podcast, or on our website, crackedrackets.com, of course, for our Patreon subscribers. We also have our Match of the Day segments where I name the match I am watching most closely on any given day in the tournament. I break down the significance of that match to the greater Wimbledon narrative. I also, of course, get into the stats for each of the players, offer my tactical keys, and then, of course, make predictions on that match of the day. So if you're interested in some bonus content, head on over to our website, CrackRackets.com, to learn how to become a Patreon subscriber today. Of course, a shout out as always to our friends over at turnip in supplying the best grip on the market for generations of tennis players now and you yourself can join the turnip team not only get access to their grips but their award-winning string technology and so much more the way you do that by emailing them today you'll email sales at unique sports.com. sales at unique sports.com. we are always grateful if you mention that we here at crack racket sent you of course if you do they'll hook you up with discounted prices hook you up with free samples, treat you like family, which is all we can ask for. Again, how do you join the Turner team? By contacting sales at uniquesports.com today. With that said, let's get into it day four of the 2022 Wimbledon, second half of the second round of singles. Let's start on the women's side. I mentioned earlier in this show, I feel I have a better grasp for the slate of women's matches we'll see on day four. I have a plethora of them in what I like to call the parlay zone. Those are the players, the matches where I see a definitive favorite, but given the odds on the money line, it just doesn't make sense from a value perspective to bet these matches individually. I look at someone like Petra Kvitova, minus 425 over Anna Bogdan. bugdan has played some solid tennis of late, and we'll get into this matchup a little bit later in the show, but I think Kvitova's round one struggles were a byproduct of the fact that she just didn't make a lot of first serves. She made under 50% of her first serves for the match. She was dominant on serve, one of those all-time serving performances last week on her way to the title in Eastbourne, I think she moves closer towards that uh, sort of performance in round number two. I don't want to say regresses towards the mean. I suppose progresses towards the mean, gets back on track, and I just don't think Bogdan who is an impressive mover who's going to push you an extra ball I'll get into again I, I have a play on Kvitova for you all on today's show but Kvitova minus 425 I just think her weapons overwhelm Bogdan that said at minus 425 just not great odds on that matchup for similar reasons Anisimova over Lauren Davis that just said minus 360 not going to get a lot of value betting that match individually Saripas Tormo minus 290 Chin Jung excuse uh, Excuse me, Junction Wen, minus one ninety over Fried Minin. All of those matches intriguing to me, all those money lines not presenting enough value. I do think I have four definitive favorites in those matches, and as such, I'm going to turn to other methods, whether it be game spreads or, you know, again, maybe a parlay here or there for you involving these players later on in this show. But those are the definitive favorites I see on the day. Certainly, I think Simona Halep's going to knock off Kirsten Flipkins as well. You're just not going to get a lot of value in that Halep number right now. As you look for Simona Halep, she's a definitive minus 700 favorite. Coco Gauff, minus 1,400 favorite over Busner Rescue. Iga Swiatek. you have to bet $100 just to win one in return on her money line tomorrow. Those are some of the top seeds in action where, again, I just – you're, there's not value in betting those plays on the money line. And then you look at some of the more valuable propositions available on the board. Do you see a definitive favorite tomorrow? Jessica Pegula, minus 360. She looked good in her first-run win over Donna Vekic. But Harriet Dart has been excellent on the grass courts. The young Brit, a definitive and powerful uh, game style and does an excellent job dictating with her forehand. I think she'll have chances to attack Pagula and Pagula, of course, and, and I believe Dart as well, had to play their matches here today. So, you know, their first round match is being played on day three. They now have to play a consecutive day here on day number four. I think that affects both of those players. But given the aggression that Dart plays with versus the physicality, which Pagula will have to maintain now for a second consecutive day, of course, Pagula is more than comfortable doing that. But I think Dart keeps that match interesting. So, no thank you. I want no part of that. I think Pliskova, despite losing to Katie Bolter a week ago two weeks ago whatever it was she should be a minus 180 favorite over Bolter she's played better as this grass court season has progressed of course her serves the biggest weapon in the matchup but Bolter beat her in the past month on this surface so no I want no part of the Pliskova matchup Krachikova minus 175 against Golubic. again you understand why Krachikova, who made the round of 16 last year who's efficient move forward Comfortable playing on her front foot style of tennis will excel on this surface, but she's facing last year's quarterfinalists in Victoria Golubic. I want no part of that matchup. We just haven't seen a lot of Kratikova Golubic. Always such a tough out on this surface. No thank you in that match. You know Bianca Andreescu minus one forty over Rebokina. Interesting, but if Rebokina catches fire on serve, you know no thank you in terms of that. And then you know again a couple of favorites I left out. Bedosa minus eight. 1,800. Tom Yanovich minus 650 over Harrison. I think there are a lot of fun matches on the board. But, you know, from a money line perspective, I mentioned those, you know, four matches I have in the parlay zone in terms of an upset perspective on the day on the women's side. Claire Lou plus 175 over Alize Cornet. Lou just has weapons. Uh, on this surface again is able to swing through and keep her ball low but the depth she generates it's just a difficult the weight of her shot difficult to deal with on this surface in particular she moves well on this surface and she'll have opportunities to play front foot tennis against Alize Cornet I think if I'm going to pick an underdog on the day I'm going to take Claire Liu at plus 175 I'm going to take her to swing freely in set number one she's going to win that first set I'm then going to live bet Alize Cornet and kick my feet up and enjoy that match as I win money no matter what or maybe you're feeling particularly confident in Lou and you don't hedge with the live bet but I just think the weapons of Lou allow her to get off to a fast start against Cornet tomorrow and then how about Kutsova plus 450 over Petra Martic I mean, yes, Petra has more experience on this surface, but she shouldn't be a minus 600 favorite against anyone on a grass court. Martich, whose creativity, whose angles thrive best on a clay court where she's such a fluid mover, I, I just don't think she has the weapons on this surface to, again, be a minus 600 favorite over anyone. But in terms of Individual money lines on the women's side, I believe I mentioned all of them there. Just don't see a lot of value or don't have a lot of certainty in any of the propositions. Again, four matches in the parlay zone, and we're going to get value off of them all later in Kavitova, Anisimova, Saribas, Tormo, and Jung Chin Wen. I'll explain how we'll get that proposition, uh, value proposition after we talk about the men's side. And If you look at the men's matches tomorrow, we're going to have tight battles across the board I really like a lot of the overs in games on the day as I could see we have 16 matches scheduled I believe I have nine different overs that I like throughout the course of the board I think we're going to see competitive matches and as such you know again there are a couple of money lines. Certainly, right away you can write off and stay away from. As you have Rafa on court tomorrow, he's minus four thousand against Ricardo Sperancic. So you got to bet forty dollars to win one in return. I don't think anyone uh, wants any part of that. Roberto Bautista minus minus twelve hundred against Daniel Galan. That's another definitive favorite that you probably stay away from. Taylor Fritz minus two thousand against Alistair Gray. I think the former TCU All-American keeps things competitive, Gray, just a very smooth game, and I do think the serve of Fritz ultimately overwhelms the one-handed backhand of Gray, who just won't see a serve of Fritz's caliber that frequently throughout his career, although did practice with Luke Famba, 6'7", and obviously hits bombs his former teammate, but I think that match stays closer than the minus 2,000 odds would indicate. I think the game spread there actually scares me a bit, and I'd probably go on the Alistair Gray side of him covering a plus 7.5, even if he does lose in straight sets. So, again... Three odds you stay away from. Everything else is in the strike zone if you feel confidently one way or another. Now, I don't about Botik Vandesen against Emil Roussevori, but Roussevori's been one of the breakthrough players of the season, has made a jump, is winning sixty percent of his ATP matches, has this I call him Yannick Sinner Light. He just has that sort of weapons from the baseline where if he his feet are set under him, he's on his front foot he's able to dictate, move the ball around, play on his terms, and look, Botick likes to play with his food. Vandesen Schkulp, who of course, the 26-year-old, has also been one of the breakthrough players of the past 12 months, has solidified his spot in the ATP top 40, really. Uh, Obviously, a really high floor, really tough out. He takes away what you like to do best, but he also doesn't overwhelm you with his pace. Now, he does a really good job of keeping the ball out of your strike zone, and I do think for Roussevori, his Achilles, he While he's gotten much better as a mover, he's still not elite at it. I just think that match goes five sets. I don't like a winner one way or the other. I would lean Roussevori plus 120, but that's a stay away for me. Marcos Girón minus 170 is interesting, but the lefty Alex Mulcan's played really well of late, both on the challenger and ATP tour. I think the lefty Liam Brody on this surface where the ball stays low, where he's able to slice and move forward, he can give Diego Schwartzman trouble tomorrow. I don't want any part of that match. You know, Hugo Gaston, the lefty against Senego, no Thank you, Green against Grenier. I'm not going to bet on Christian Green on any surface that isn't a clay court. You know, and then you get into the toss-ups. The Benjamin Bonzi, who should be the minus 145 favorite. He is against Jensen Brooksby. But straight set win for Brooksby. First round of Wimbledon. Does Bonzi do anything definitively better than Brooksby? Other than movement, probably not. Better vollier, I would say, as well. But that match is a grind. I think Shapovalov-Nakashima is going to be a really good match. Brandon's played extraordinarily well of late. Cressy, Jack Sock, let's hold serve. Let's hit plus one forehands. Let's serve in volley. That match is going to be explosive. The Novak Kublers of the world, the best match probably on the board in Demon Hour versus Jack Draper. Don't love any of them from an individual money line perspective. Again, in terms of the men's matches in the parlay zone, there's a stretch on, you know, two of the three that I have. I have Tsitsipas in there. I just don't know what Jordan Thompson does well enough to relent, you know, re- relentlessly hurt Stefano Tsitsipas. Yeah, he'll hit good first serves to the backhand. Yeah, Pass looked really sloppy on the return of serve throughout the course of his first round four-set victory against Richard, but... I think, you know, there's a reason pass got through that match is because his default gear, the serve, the forehand, his ability to move forward and his aptitude while at the net, they are that good. And so I just think Pass wins out in the end over Jordan Thompson Kyrgios should beat Krayanovich tomorrow, minus 340. That's smack dab in the parlay zone, but Kyrgios goes five sets in his first-round match. Kyr- Krayanovich has played extraordinarily well of late in this grass court season, made a final in the build-up to this Wimbledon. Those both scare me. And so they're in the parlay zone, but given their value, minus 525 for CC Pass, minus 340 for Kyrios, I'm just not going to touch those money lines. There is a money line though that we're going to make an individual wager on and this gets us to our first ace of the day selection and it's worth noting Americans went four and one on day three of the 2022 Wimbledon I should say American men went three and one on day three Stevie Johnson Francis Tiafo, Tommy Paul all able to advance in straight sets On day three, we've talked about the American resurgence of late, how there were 10 Americans in the top 60, the most since the 1990s, how, you know, there are more Americans in the top, you know, all of the firsts of title winners in the year and what Taylor Fritz did at Indian Wells and, you know, all of the comparisons that have been made to of late, are this is the best American tennis has been since American men's tennis. Excuse me, has been since the 1990s. And do we have a Pete Sampras in the group? Do we have an Andre Agassi in the group? Do we even have a Jim Courier in the group? Maybe not. I don't know if any of these guys get to world number one, but there are certainly going to be a lot of bites at the apple. And you know, Macky McDonald is one of those guys who has been nipping at the heels. Of course, we've seen Mackie McDonald the reach a round of 16. A couple. Of times in his career at the majors. He's done it before at Wimbledon as well. And if you look for Mackie McDonald, I don't think the numbers themselves do him justice and how good he's been since play has resumed in August 2020 in this pandemic era of the ATP tour. You look for Mackie McDonald, who's 16 and 18. Overall, this season and since the start of again August 2020 is 69 and 52 overall in tour and challenger play. You know, in tour level play during that stretch of time, he's 36 and 40. He's made a clear cut jump, he's solidified his spot in the ATP top 75. Again, 36 and 40 in ATP level matches since August 2020. That's not top 25 good. That's not top 30 good. But if you're winning about 50% of your tour level matches if and you look for him again, 36 and 40 overall for Mackie McDonald in first matches during this stretch of time. He's 26 and 15 in first matches that he's played on the tour level. If you're winning, you know, 26 and 15, 63% of your first, first-round matches, you're going to stay in the ATP Top 75. You're going to continue to get opportunities to not only compete in the main draws of Grand Slams, but get into ATP 250 events, get into ATP 500 events, as we saw Mackie McDonald do last summer. And of course ultimately have so much success reaching the the finals in DC beating Nishikori and Kyrios and Kudla before getting knocked out by Yannick Sinner in a really exciting three-set final Mackie's had a bunch of moments since coming back from, again, a devastating hamstring injury right before the pandemic in 2019, you look for Mackey, who had to build his way back up and went and played at the challenger level, won a challenger title in North Sultan at the start of 2021, got through Miami qualifying and wins a match there before getting knocked out by Isner, makes it through qualifying last year at Roland Garros, wins a match before getting knocked out in five by Christian Green, makes it through qualifying at one. Wimbledon last season beats Maxime Cressy in a five-set Wimbledon final round qualifying thriller before getting knocked out first round four sets by Karen Hachinov. He's had to do it the hard way, and again, Qua- comes through qualifying, wins a match at Roland Garros last year. Comes through qualifying uh, to make the main draw of Wimbledon. Wins a first round match at the U.S. Open. Wins a first round match in Australia this year. Makes third round of the French Open. And clay has always been his surface he struggled on the most. But third round of the French Open, performing at the big events is what keeps you in the ball game. And to Mackie McDonald's credit, the 27 year old. Is a primetime performer. And of course, he always has been. Former Easter Bowl champion in the juniors, former NCAA singles champion during his out, you know, standout collegiate career at UCLA. And, you know, I mentioned again, 69 and 52 overall since August 2020. Yes, some of that success has come at the challenger level, 36 and 40 at the ATP level. Nothing to write home about, but a clear sign of progress for Mackie McDonald as he looks to solidify his spot in that top 60, top 50, and he peeked his nose into the top 50, reaching number 49 in the ATP rankings earlier this season, currently sitting at number 55. Again, just don't want to play qualifying at the Masters events right now, and at 55, you're usually probably the last man out of those Masters main draws, but again, we're on a grass surface where Mackey's 22 and 15 in his career, reached round of 16 here back in 2018, and, you know, again, four-set tough, Lost to last year's quarterfinalist in Karen Hatchinov in the first round. I have always liked this surface for Macky McDonald. He's a guy who uses his quickness to take the ball early on the rise, loves to, he's at his best when he's moving forward, using his speed and, again, his touch around the court to put the volley away, to beat you to the spot. He has about as close of a proximity to Roger Federer's forehand as you're going to see outside of Grigor Dimitrov, and I'm not saying it's equally effective or equally as powerful, but from an aesthetic standpoint, from how they go about striking that ball, that's what Mackie McDonald does with his forehand. He's exceptional taking that backhand on the rise as well. And look at this stage of his career. He is just a better player player than his opponent tomorrow in Richard Gasquet you look for Richard Gasquet who 19 and 14 is Gasquet here in 2022 but you look for Gasquet who's 51 and 41 overall since August 2020 he is also just 33 and 33 in ATP level play since August 2020 that's not definitively better then Mackenzie McDonald. Then you look for Mackey, who since August 2020 at the majors, he's been pretty solid overall. Mackenzie McDonald, 16-8. and eight. You take out his six qualifying wins, fine. He's 10-8 and eight overall at the majors during this stretch of time. Richard Gasquet uh, throughout the course of this stretch, just 6-7. and seven overall and again you look for Gasquet who did not play a grass court event in the lead up to this Wimbledon all opts to go play a challenger in Lyon on the clay courts instead. Now he made the semifinals there, but you look for Richard Gasquet. I mentioned the nineteen and fourteen overall this season. He's thirteen and ten at the challenger level and you know was pushed to five sets in his first round of match against Joe Sosa a match of course, traditionally, you'd think Richard Gasquet would cruise in. Gasquet is 77 and 36 in his career on grass courts. Gasquet is a guy who has made the semifinals of Wimbledon. Now, it was all the way back in uh, 2015. But of course, this is a place where he has traditionally had success. But that's a completely different Richard Gasquet. And, you know, I ask you as we look at this match, what does Richard Gasquet do to hurt Mackie McDonald? You look for both of these players in the framework I'm going to use. Since August 2020, since that's really the framework you have to use for Richard Gasquet. He's not the player he was a decade ago. And for him to even be out on tour, still be 69 in the world at age 36, that's immensely impressive. But you look for Gasquet. Again, 51 and 41 overall. He's held 77.9% of the time. He's breaking serve 22.4%. Percent of the time you look for Mackenzie McDonald, he's holding serve 78.1 percent of the time, so 0.2 percent advantage, and he's breaking serve 25 percent of the time, a 2.6 percent advantage by any metric. Mackie has been the better player, and while, of course, the creativity of Richard Gasquet, the angles he's able to generate, the top spin he's able to produce on that backhand wing, of course, they are traditionally successful on this surface, but... I just think the athleticism of Mackey overwhelms him, and again, Richard Gasquet holding 77.9% of the time, I just don't think he has the weapons to overwhelm Mackey with right now, and you look for Mackenzie McDonald, there's just such a difference when he plays you know, top 50 players with top 50 power versus when he's playing... Players outside the top 50, which is what Richard Gasquet is at this point. You look for Mackey. He's 13-27 against players ranked inside the top 50. 56-25 against players ranked outside of it over these past two years. His break percentage... 10.2% better when he's playing non-top 50 opponents. It's 28.3, which would be a top 10 number amongst top 50 ATP tour players. Again, he becomes an elite returner when you don't have an elite first serve. And with all due respect to Richard Gasquet, at this point, I just don't think he has the elite first serve to pressure Mackie with throughout the course of the four hours he'd need to to beat him in this match. So give me Mackenzie McDonald, who, by the way, is also the requisite athlete the requisite sort of mover to deal with all of the junk that Richard Gasquet will throw at him so give me Mackey to just straight up win this match and I think Mackie's gonna do it in straight sets but rather than take the game spread which is rather advantageous you look for Mackenzie McDonald minus one and a half games is minus 125 that's better than his minus 145 money line odds but Gasquet is too creative on this surface. There's always going to be a second, third win for Richard Gasquet where just he makes a couple of forehands down the line or does something special by you, does frustrate you. He can absolutely steal a set, but I just think the – athleticism and relentlessness of Mackie wins out. So give me Mackie minus 145 over Richard Gasquet. It's going to be another half unit day. Again, we'll get to the full unit bets starting in round three, but give me Mackie minus 145 over Gasquet. Half a unit to win 0.34. That's ace of the day number one, and that is our only individual money line pick. Why is that the case? Because as I mentioned, I think it's going to be a tight day of competition, particularly on the men's side. And when we look at the over-unders, there are a couple of men's matches I would like to stress. Match number one that I feel most confidently going over its game spread, Alex Hour and Jack Draper. Demenauer 38, eight and a half games, the over-under. You can get that at minus 120. I think the big serving Jack Draper, he's got the biggest weapon on the court in his serve. And I don't know if Demon Hour generates a big enough rally ball consistently to put a pr- uh, uh, consistent pressure on Jack Draper, who loves to be the aggressor, loves to step into his backhand, take that ball early on the rise down the line, and loves to move forward behind it. Now, he's never seen an athlete like Alex Hour, who's going to stress him and force him to hit extra balls in ways he just hasn't throughout the course of his career. But that match has four or five sets written all over. I think, again, the athleticism of Minaur keeps him in the match. The power of tennis of Draper keeps him in control of the match. Which one wins out? Your guess is as good as mine, over 38 and a half games, which again, That's really a four-set match. 7-5, 3-6, 6-4. Right there, you've got 29 games or 31 games, excuse me. 31 games heading into a fourth set. It just needs to be 6-2 or closer. And then you cover that 38 and a half game spread. I like that one in particular on the men's side. I think that match goes four sets. I think Shapovalov Nakashima goes four sets. Brandon's been so solid and again minus 38 and a half games if that match stays close does go for it's going to go over that. Already made the case Rusavori Vandersen Sculp, I think Balenci Brooksby another one of those matches that has four sets written all over it in terms of on the women's side and again I offer the over under on games for the men as they're not offering over three and a half or four and a half sets right now via our friends at DraftKings, although you can find that on some sports books. But, you know, matches go in the distance on the women's side. Again, I do see Claire lose weapons giving Alize Cornet troubles, but Cornet just fights. And even if she is down a set and a break, she's just never out of the match. So plus 140 over two and a half sets. Don't hate that kutsova Martic going over two and a half sets. rabakina Andrescu, if either one of them strikes fire, they just have the sort of firepower where if they play well for 15 minutes, it could be 4-1 before you know it. And so that match going over three and a half sets, plus 130, I like that. Krejcikova-Golabic, plus 135, over two and a half sets. I like that one as well. A couple of overs, a couple of unders, I find appealing on the day. But certainly, again, I mentioned those matches in the parlays. zone on the women's side. The, again, Kvitova's, Anisimova's, Cerebes Tormo's, Jung Chin Wens of the world. We always say, when the money line's a little too juicy, turn to the game spread. And I think I've got a couple more game spread winners for all of you listeners here on day four. Let's start with Sarah Ceribes Tormo. ribes Tormo, number 45 in the world, number 32 seed coming into this Wimbledon, a dominant 6-2, 6-1 victory for Saribas Tormo in her first round match. Saribas Tormo, 60-36 overall since August 2020. She reached a third round at the U.S. Open last season, reached second round of Australia this year, ultimately didn't compete, unfortunately, in the French Open. But again, you look for Saribas Tormo. I mentioned that, 60-36 overall since August 2020. She's 46-20 and 20 when she's played players ranked outside the top 50 23 and 7 a 77 percent win percentage when players playing players ranked outside the top 100 that's exactly what she faces on day four as she's going to take on Harmony Tan of course Harmony Tan the thoroughly impressive 7-6 in the third victory over Serena Williams on day number two but if you followed this action the storylines closely Harmony Tan pulling out of her doubles match on Wednesday uh citing a thigh injury and obviously played an extraordinarily physical match against Serena. She wants to maintain herself heading into the singles. But of course, as we look at the value on the board, you know what you don't want to have when you're facing Sara Saribas-Tormo? Any sort of leg injury. And I do think there's some risk of this match not finishing and us ultimately not being able to profit off of this bet because when the withdrawal happens, the match will be unfinished. The bet will be null. But... I just think, again, when we watched Harmony Tan yesterday, it wasn't the power tennis. It was the craft, the creativity, the forehand slices, the willingness to make that match a track meet, and just, you know, again, the countless angles and uncomfortable positions she put Serena in. Well, everything Harmony Tan does, Sarah Saribas Tormo just does better, and you look for Sarah Saribas Tormo again. I just think this is the sort of match where what does Harmony Tan do to hurt Sarah Sribez Tormo? And, you know, Sarah Sribez Tormo beat Harmony Tan 2-2 two and two when these two played in Monterey earlier this season. Harmony Tan 2-7 and seven in her career against top 50 players. Her win's coming over Madison Keys in Guadalajara this year against Julia Putin-Seva in Australia this year. But... I just don't—again, Saripa's Tomorrow is not going to be dismayed by the slices. She's not going to be thrown off by the short angles. She's just going to do that right back to you in spades and she will be plenty comfortable playing slice to slice to slice. Now, if Harmony Tan is healthy, this match could absolutely be over two hours because there are going to be a lot of 10-plus shot rallies throughout the course of this one. That said— Again, whether it's Reba's Tormo serve, whether it's, again, her effectiveness, the power she produces from the baseline, even the slices she generates, I just think she's a little bit better than Harmony Tan at everything. I think she wins this match in straight sets. I think she wins it comfortably as well. If you take her at minus three and a half games against Harmony Tan, you get minus 155 odds. Again, a straight set 6-4 or 6-4 victory feels very, very possible in this matchup. And I'll take the minus 155 odds with the minus three and a half games as opposed to her minus 290 money line. Now, if you'd rather just throw her in a money line parlay, I can understand that. I'm going to go with the game spread here. Cerebas Tormo minus three and a half games over Harmony Tan. Again, minus 155, sticking with half a unit to win 0.32. That's ace of the day number two. Ace of the day number three belongs to Jung Chin Wen, who earned a closely contested 757 Six or seven, six, seven, five. One of the two ways victories over Sloan Stevens in round one was a first grass court victory for Jung Chin Wen, who hasn't been great on this surface. There's no doubt about that. Jung Chin Wen, couple of tough losses for her uh, on her way to this Wimbledon, loses first round Berlin. Three and six to Alicia Parks, a three and love loss to Magdalena Freak uh, in the build up to this as well. But again, got a big, I thought, lump off her back by earning that first grass court victory against Sloan Stevens and, you know, watching Junction Wen play, obviously 43 and 17 over her last 52 weeks. She's 39-12, and 12, a 76% win percentage when she's played. Players ranked outside the top 50 over the last 52 weeks. And that's what she plays tomorrow and faces in Freet Minnen. And again, I ask you, watching Alicia Parks, who – has extraordinary weapons. And by the way, Junction went before that loss to Alicia Parks, won a 125K final the day before on a Clay Corton. So I throw that loss to Parks out. But, you know, again, what does Hreet Minuton do? To definitively hurt Jung Chin Wen with throughout the course of this match. I know Minin just earned a foreign love victory over Garbin Muguruza, but Muguruza had such little confidence, was playing such broken tennis. Minin, all she had to do was stick around and stay alive in the match, and ultimately Muguruza was going to hand it to her. That's just not the case with Jung Chin Wen, who, yes, is going to be known for her power tennis moving forward, but can also get to that relentlessly consistent gear and is willing to hit three backhands cross court before opening up the down the line as opposed to pulling the trigger too soon in the rally. I just think the power tennis of Junction Wen wears Hreet Minnan down. You look for Minen in her career, 4-15 and 15 when she's faced top 50 players. I know Junction Wen right now is 52 in the rankings, but we all know she'll be in the top 50 moving forward. If you have those sort of weapons, again, you're just going to knock Minen out. You look for Minnan in her four top 50 wins. She beat Nadia Patero. Not exactly a power tennis player. Diana Yastremska, who on the right day is a top 10 player in the world. On the wrong day, probably shouldn't be ranked. And then, you know, a uh, Kova in 2019. Sibyl was a wild card into Stuttgart in that event. Of course, she also beat Garbin Muguruza at this tournament. But I just don't know what Minen's going to do to hurt Jung Chinwen. And so I see Wen winning this match. Jung uh, Wen winning this match. I see her winning it comfortably as well. And while minus 190 is pretty appealing. Minus two and a half games is a straight set victory. Again, it was tightly contested, six and five against Sloan Stevens, and yet Jung Chin-Wen would have covered the minus two and a half games here. I just, again, Stevens at least was more comfortable on this surface moving around, and the athleticism was just able to absorb the first blow, and I think, you know, push Jung Chin-Wen back better with her defense than Minen will be able to do, and now while Minen will be more comfortable moving forward, I just again, minus two and a half games. That's a straight set victory, which I think Jung Chinwen is going to earn tomorrow against Minen, So give me the minus two and a half games, minus 140, half a unit to win 0.35. That's ace of the day, number three. Now, there are a couple of money lines out there that I also enjoy. I think RBA is going to win comfortably against Daniel Galan, but you know, minus six and a half games. It has to be 4-4-3, four, four, and three, and I just think that's stupid. For some reason, 4-4-4 four, four, and four I'm perfectly comfortable with, but that extra game, 6.5, just a little too rich for my blood. So RBA, minus 6.5. Even though I do think he covers it comfortably, I'm going to stay away from that at minus 155, I should say, which just isn't good enough value for that extra game. Fritz, minus 6.5, minus 135. Not betting that out of respect to my boy, A.G., Alistair Gray. Pass and Kyrgios are interesting. Again, Pass minus four and a half games. That's a comfortable straight set victory over Jordan Thompson. He should do that. uh, Whether he will or not, how well is he returning on any given day? Again, minus 170 for minus four and a half. If you like him to win four, four, and four, you can get minus 105 odds if you give them the extra game for minus five and a half. I like both of those, to be honest. Like, Pass over Thompson is attractive to me, but... I'll stick away from Steph for one more round. Ditto. Nick Kyrgios minus three and a half against Krejovic. That's a straight set win, and he gets one break of serve. You know, minus one seventy five. If you like him to win by a couple of breaks of serve, minus four and a half games is minus one twenty. Again, Kyrgios coming off of a five set match to me is just too dangerous to be bet on, and so I'm going to stay away from Kyrgios. I'm going to stay away from Ct Pass. I may regret doing that. Liam Brody, plus seven and a half games, minus 175. I don't think Schwartzman blows him out. So in terms of going the other way, that's actually one of the far side ones I enjoy. But, you know, again, that, those are the men's spreads. On the women's side, I mentioned Halep. I do think she advances comfortably over Flipkins. I'd even take four and a half games, her to win better than six four six four, But it's minus 195. At four and a half games so you know no thank you on those odds tom minus four and a half games over harrison again i think she covers that but minus 165 no thank you you know the ones that are interesting to me kavitova anisimova to win in straight sets over bogdan and davis both of them minus three and a half games you can get those at minus 195 minus 175 respectively now again an individual bet on minus 175 odds. You have to pay a dollar seventy-five for every dollar you want to win in return. I just don't love that. I do like the minus three and a half game spreads, though, because again, what is Lauren Davis, with all due respect, going to do to hurt Amanda Anisimova with tomorrow? In her career, Lauren Davis, thirteen and thirty-two, when she's played top fifty players who are over five foot ten. She's lost 13 consecutive matches against top 50 players who are over five foot ten. Now that's an abstract. You're saying, why is that what you're turning to here, Alex? Well, obviously, Amanda Anisimova, A, a top 50 player, B, over five foot ten. Typically, a five foot ten player in the top fifty plays a power brand of tennis. And you know, that's a brand of tennis Lauren Davis has struggled with throughout her career. And of course, Davis, a relentless athlete, going to put extra balls on the court, but that matches on Anisimova racket from the start, and I thought she looked comfortable in a straight set round one victory. So give me Isimova to advance comfortably over Lauren Davis. I will Also, again, take Petra Kvitova to just serve better than she did against Jasmine Paolini and knock off Anna Bogdan. Bogdan, 10-34 in her career against top 50 opponents. You look for Petra Kvitova, of course, a two-time Wimbledon champion. She's won six consecutive matches, was lights out on serve last week in Eastbourne. I'm not making excuses for her, but it was particularly windy in her first-round Wimbledon match. Again, she served Barely, I think she made 49% of her first serves for the match, and she still managed to win in a fairly comfortable three set affair. Like, I just, if she, again, progresses at all towards the mean. She's going to blitz uh, her opponent tomorrow in Anna Bogdan. And Bogdan has been rock solid of late. You look for Anna Bogdan here in 2022 in particular, uh, you know, makes quarterfinals uh, on the grass courts in Italy at the 125K before losing in three sets to Harmony Tan. Obviously not a bad loss given what we know now a couple of weeks ago and was semifinals at the 125K in Paris. And, you know, again, is currently 17-8, and eight. Overall on the year, does a great job of absorbing a first strike of extending rallies. But I just if you can't hurt Petra Kvitova, you're not going to beat her on this surface unless, you know, again, she beats herself and she almost beat herself in round one. But that was the wake up call. That's the you know, again, you play. Uh, lights out tennis a week before. It's really hard to sustain that into a second week. I think Kvitova gets back into her groove in round number two. I think she beats Bogdan comfortably that match on her racket from the start. And again... I think she wins it in straight sets, four and four or better. Minus three and a half games is anticipating exactly that. Now, not great odds on Anisimova or Kvitova individually, but folks, that gets us to our parlay of the day. That's right. With our friends at DraftKings, you can parlay couple of game spreads. We're going to do that. We're going to take Kavirva minus three and a half games over Anna Bogdan. Amanda Anisimova minus three and a half games over Lauren Davis. We're going to parlay each of them. So if Anisimova, Kavirva win in straight sets, five and five or better, uh, we win in this parlay. And I think it's going to hit. On the day. So we're going to place a wager on that plus 137 odds when you do parlay them. Half a unit on that to win .68 to snap us out of our parlay funk as well. We're not going to bet any more British men as the final leg of parlays moving forward. We've learned our lesson with Dan Evans and Andy Murray. We are going to take the power tennis of Kavitova and Anisimova. Again, I just don't think their opponents can do anything to hurt them. So you parlay their game spreads plus 137, half a unit to win .68. Those are my four ace-of-the-day selections, but I'll tell you what. Probably tomorrow, I'm going to place a bet on Novak Djokovic to win the title at minus 190. Now, I need to see what everyone else on the bottom half of the draw looks like because certainly, no more Berrettini, no more Chilich, no more FAA. I need to see more Pass and Kyrios. How well are they playing? Is it well enough to actually feasibly defeat a Rafael Nadal? And, you know, what about a Max Cressy? Can he really serve his way into a quarterfinal, semifinal of this tournament? Is there anyone in the bottom half who poses any sort of chance uh, to knock off Rafa? If the answer to that question is no, we will be back here tomorrow placing wagers on both Djokovic and Rafa to win the title. If the answer to that question is yes, we'll probably just be back here to place a wager on Djokovic to win the title because that's how good he looked against Kokonakis. And again, I will be covering all all of day three's action over on our mini break podcast feed. But to wrap up today's Ace of the Day segment, my four picks for all of you. Give me Mackie McDonald, minus 145 Moneyline over Richard Gasquet, half a unit to win point three four. Cerebez Tormo, minus three and a half games over Harmony Tan, minus 155, half a unit to win point we We'll take Jung Chin Wen, minus two and a half games over Freit Minnen, minus 140, half a unit to to win .35, and then our game spread parlay. Kvitova, Anisimova, both minus three and a half games. You parlay them together, plus 137, half a unit to win .68. Those are my picks for my GSP, Ace of the Day selections for day four of Wimbledon. Again, if you're looking for more Wimbledon content, we've got our Match of the Day segment for all of you listeners, uh, available for all of you Cracked Rackets patrons, excuse me, on our website, CrackedRackets.com. We've got mini break podcasts recapping each and every day for all of you listeners available for free on our website, CrackedRackets.com. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible shout out as well to our friends at Turner remember email sales at unique to join the Turner family today with all of that said for our super producer Daniel Westhoff our friends at Turner and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin. we hope you all enjoy day four's matches and may the odds be ever in your favor good luck everyone